What's up, Dodd fam? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast by Dodd Health. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at DodHealth.com, and we're gonna be doing things a little bit differently today. I've noticed my intros have gotten super long, <laughs> in excess of like 10 minutes, which I don't really want because we have the background music and we wanna make it a proper intro. So I decided to actually push the quote into the podcast a little further and have it be the first real topic because it's always something that really resonates with me at that time in my life. And usually I can bring it back into, in, into cycling or health and fitness in some way that I think can serve you as well. So I'd like to dive into it, give it the time it deserves. And for that reason, it's no longer in the intro. It'll be right after the announcements uh, once we first dive into the episode. So that being said, let me tell you why you're here. This episode, besides a couple fire quotes that we have for you, is all about my top five favorite strength training workouts for cyclists. We're also going to, after that, talk about changing my pedal stroke. This was something I did on the indoor trainer that has been an absolute game changer over the last week. And there's been a lot of really weird, like, I don't want to say side effects, but things that have um, sort of, the way it's snowballed, I guess, is what I'm getting at, has been really interesting. And I want to talk about that for you. Uh, But before we jump into that episode... I want to give you a couple announcements. First things first. Now, this comes out Wednesday. Next Tuesday, before this next podcast, I'm on. I'm featured on the We Got to Hang Out podcast. Now, this podcast is super cool, very casual, and a really different interview style than I've ever done before. It was just enjoyable. So, Christopher Strickland is a really well-known Bay Area cyclist, photographer, journalist. And he started this podcast where the whole idea is like we get to hang out and it's not information based, but it's more like if we got a beer and hung out, what would we talk about? And really, we even brought it up in the episode. I think toward the end of it, it was like close to two hours. That's exactly how I felt. It was fun. It was uh, was just a really good conversation, super random stuff. And fortunately, he allowed me to talk about dialed health. He's pretty interested in it because it was the first time we'd actually talked to that extent. And so I'm excited for you to hear it. I think you should check it out. We got to hang out podcast coming out next Tuesday. Now we have some big announcements with the DH Vert Challenge. We are hard at work getting the official event going. It's basically set in stone as far as the details of what we're gonna do uh, up on bikereg.com. It's gonna be all up, all up over, <laughs> all up all on the website for dialedhealth.com. So you have a very clear place to sign up for both the virtual event and the in-person event. Yes, in-person event. I think I've hinted at it a little bit, but we're trying to do this really proper. And I won't, I'll probably save the real specifics of what we're doing with it. But all I got to say is if you are local to the Sacramento area where I live and you want to go do a vert challenge out of the TDS ranch on the same track I'm doing it on and you want to get an awesome picture after it, I'm going to do some e-bike laps with you guys because I'm probably going to be smoked the day after mine. Uh, We're going to have rider support. (laughs) We're going to have a food ticket. Uh, It's just going to be hopefully a really proper, awesome event. And a big thanks to the team for kind of getting this together because there's a lot of it that I've never gone into this detail as far as planning goes, Uh, but it's going to be September 26th. And remember, if you're participating in the virtual challenge, it's the last week of September. Uh, We're also going to include some training recommendations on how to kind of prep for it. And then one thing we added recently was a little bit of a fundraiser because we're like, well, if we're going to do this thing, we got to have a cause behind 
find it. And our goal is gonna be to hopefully buy a high school student who needs a mountain bike, a mountain bike, so that they can get out and race and ride. And thankfully I'm connected to a ton of NICA coaches in the area, so I called a few, found out if there was a need or not and they're like oh yeah i mean i could tell you a kid right away so then it's you know all about doing it legit and thankfully team action dad uh, is a nonprofit who i know the owner of, or i know the founder of <clears throat> and they can basically allocate their money however they see fit it usually goes back toward their own race series but we can use it to properly donate this money and buy a bike and i think we're gonna have some support from sponsors and all this stuff so it's gonna be really cool. Um, long story short, Vert Challenge is gonna be legit. Stay tuned, man. We are on the brink of the announcements. In fact, I'm picking up my Vert Challenge t-shirts today. They are fresh. Now, last thing I wanna talk about is the TDS race I'm doing this weekend. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. I just wanna tell you about that. I'm racing, <laughs> it's an enduro race, which is, it's honestly hilarious because the real desire, like in my soul to go down a hill as fast as I can for time, it just, isn't there anymore like it used to be. And I'm really grateful for that. But also it's weird to go race and be in that environment without feeling that way. Cause I've done so little of that. You know, it's always been like uh, such a big goal to get to a race and get a result and do things this and that way. And now I'm like, man, I just can't wait to ride my mountain bike three days in a row all day with friends on good trails. <laughs> That is literally how I can't get past that reality because I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't ridden my mountain bike back to back days, let alone having all day and like people I, you know, all, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but like everyone I talk to on Instagram every week, not everybody, but a lot of people are going to be there and it's going to be so fun. There's going to be a big specialized turnout and I can't wait for it. So anyways, TDS is this weekend. It should be a blast. Also, we have a lot of Dowd fan members racing the Unbound gravel race, uh, 200 mile gravel race in Kansas this weekend. So shout out to everyone doing that because that is gnarly and also very intriguing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know, the, the gravel stuff, all that, that to me has been more almost intriguing about just putting out the effort. So um, we'll see what we end up doing next year or even later this season. So uh, anyways, that's it. We got to hang out podcast, DH Vert Challenge and TDS race this weekend. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it five stars on Apple, leave a positive comment, literally just say anything like, oh my gosh, you're gonna race? Cool, bike racing is sick. Bikes are sick, strength training sick. That's all you have to write. <laughs> just make it positive. It doesn't have to make sense. Five stars make it positive and it has a huge impact on the show growing. You can also screenshot your phone and post it to your Instagram story tagging dialed health or do a little soundbite screen recording. Either way, it helps a ton and I really appreciate it. Okay, let's dive into the episode. The quote of today's episode, it's actually the first of two. It's from Craig Groeschel. I, I think that's how you pronounce his name. But I'm reading a book now that he wrote called Winning the War in Your Mind. Really sick book. And this quote is from, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Here's what it is. You cannot change what you do not confront. If you ignore the battle, you lose the battle. You gotta say it one more time. You cannot change what you do not confront. If you ignore the battle, you lose the battle. I mean, this is classic ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> it's so easy to brush things off your shoulder and be like, oh, no, no, it's not, no, that thing is not really my solution or my answer. But I think a lot of times when maybe you have something nagging at you where, uh, like, I'll, I'll give you my own example recently. So 
really recently I've been really wanting to step up my routine and my schedule now that I'm getting some normalcy back since the twins were born they're sleeping more consistently through the night usually waking up just once Lish will take care of them and even though they're waking up pretty early like 5 30 you know I'm usually up at five anyways and so it's not allowing me to work in the morning like I would honestly want to but I still can kind of wake up at the same time I'm getting better sleep and so since that has happened, and it's been closer to a month now, not only do I feel better, but I'm kind of, I've had this thing nagging at me. And honestly, <laughs> if you listen to the podcast for, um, I mean, if you're a podcast OG, you know, it's, it's freaking alcohol, man. It has been, it's been nagging at me because since the twins have been born, it actually started back in quarantine. Like when quarantine ha- happened, most people just started drinking more in general. And I kind of carried that into the twins being born. I guess in I did dry January. So, and oh, I did dry January up until the twins were born, January 23rd. <laughs> I think it was like a New Year's Eve through, you know, I went three weeks basically. No alcohol. I felt a little better for sure. But once the twins were born, it was like celebration drinking. And then it was what I thought was stress drinking. And in, until I stopped drinking the last few nights, what I didn't realize was it was actually also boredom because when I and it sucks to admit but truthfully when I'm just watching these three kids it can be kind of boring like it just can be your hands are tied as far as what you can do like when I'm just with auto it's a blast I take him to the park I put him on the shotgun seat like we just go do fun things Uh, or even if I'm just with the twins you're kind of posted up in front of the tv and I'm like you know what I'm making a coffee well or I'm having a drink and I'm watching YouTube and I'm, I'm comfy and I'm enjoying it but having them both can be tough and it can get boring at least for me so I realized wow I've been drinking because of that and I've been drinking out of the stress the drinking's making me you know overeat at night which doesn't line up with my health goals it doesn't line up with my fitness goals I'm waking up a little bit more drowsy I'm adding all these calories into my diet and it's honestly just felt very negative and uh in truthfully not in a way where i'm like i don't have control over this but in a way where i'm like i don't want to stop drinking because i feel like i kind of need it and so anyways that has been sort of nagging at me where this is like my battle i know i need to step up my schedule and just i want to start punching through the face of my week (laughs) schedule (laughs) punching to the back of the head this is a last episode reference I just, I'm ready to really start kicking some ass again. And I, I wouldn't say that I haven't been, but I haven't had that aggression lately. And I really want to get it back. So the drinking has been the thing where it keeps coming up in my head, where I'm like, oh, well, I could just wake up at this time. Oh, I could just do this. I could just, and then it always just comes back to me being like, no, I should stop drinking because the effects of drinking or all the things I'm trying to change, I could just take out drinking. (laughs) And so I'm not taking it out, taking it out, but my goal, at least for the next few weeks, is just to not drink through the week. Um, So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those are okay drinking days, I guess. Uh, I'm playing it by ear. I I really don't want to do anything too extreme, but I got to say, the last few nights, not drinking, I've already been waking up a little sharper, ready to go for my work day a little bit more, but I have had those cravings. Like, the, like in last night was the first night I noticed, whoa, I'm bored and these kids are crying and now I want alcohol. <laughs> and so anyways, I, I couldn't get past the real battle, which was that even though I didn't want it to be the solution, it is the solution. Uh, so I'm not ignoring the battle because if I do, I'm going to keep losing and I can't handle that. So. Uh, This leads me to another quote from Tim Grover, and he had the quote on last week's podcast, but I I just listened to a podcast with him, and it was incredible. He says, 
Finding balance is not about addition, but subtraction. Listen to that one more time. Finding balance is not about addition, but subtraction. And when he talks about it in depth, it probably resonates more. But the general idea is that usually people think, oh, I need to spend more time with my family. I need to spend more time at work. I need to exercise more. I need to eat healthier food more often. And, and, and pretty soon you're just adding, 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 adding. And ultimately, <laughs> you're just going to be adding too much. And really finding balance is about subtracting. And that quote came back up when I thought about subtracting alcohol because I was trying to fix all the symptoms of drinking without taking away the real source of it. And, and to fix the symptoms, I was going to add this and add that, uh, wake up earlier, you know, like whatever it might have been. So it's just really interesting kind of how those tied together for me. Um, and also he's been stuck in my head too, because another thing I've done is put my alarm clock back across my room in the morning, which sucks by the way. You know, I, I dream a lot and I sleep really hard, which I think helps me when I, in general, since I don't get a huge volume of sleep and I don't track anything on whoop as of now, I'm, I'm definitely getting more interested in that. But like, I know I sleep like a freaking rock <laughs> and there's a lot of times I'll wake up to my alarm and I'm like mid dream and I have crazy dreams. I have violent dreams sometimes, you know, I'm like in the middle of getting murdered and my alarm goes off across the room. <laughs> like you wake up so delirious and uh, you have to, I, I'm obviously getting out of bed, trying not to wake up my wife or my kids. And like, we're all in the back corner of this house. <laughs> and so I try and get up pretty quick and get it. So it sucks. But Tim Grover had brought up on the podcast also about um, you know, balancing your emotions or, or being clear on what is your emotion speaking and what is your mind speaking. And he's like, in the, early in the morning when your alarm goes off, it's your emotions that tell you to stay in bed. It's your mind that tells you to get up. Everything about the way you feel wants you to lay back down, to get more sleep, close your eyes for 30 minutes, hit snooze. And I'm not saying it isn't a time or place for that, but I think the majority of us need to get up and get after it. We got stuff to do. And I, I know I do, especially right now. <laughs> like I really am feeling that urgency coming back and it's because of things like this. It's taking action like this that brings back the urgency. It's not like you all of a sudden have that motivation waking up. You gotta take those steps. So yeah, um, it's not your mind. Um, telling you to lay in bed. Your mind is saying, get up, you got stuff to do, and it's your emotion. So that has been in my head as the alarm goes off, and it's really helped motivate me to just wake up and, and get moving. So, uh, so that's it. A lot of quotes there, uh, but don't ignore your battle because if you ignore it, you're just going to lose it. You made it. This is why you came for the five best strength workouts for cyclists. Now, before we jump into the topic, I have to be honest about this. Titles like this are the bane of most trainers' existence. <laughs> trainers hate stuff like this because they don't they don't line up with reality. And and that's why I wanted this little disclaimer is just to make sure your expectations are in check. Uh, because I am going to give you my top five list. I'm going to tell you what muscle groups they work, why I think they're important, what volume to do, their, do, to do them in, uh, different variations. But we, we got to set the, the record straight. A perfect exercise or saying that an exercise is perfect for cyclists does not mean that it's the end all be all exercise. There are literally dozens of strength exercises that are perfect for cycling, but not one of them does it all. Okay. 
please understand that and know that when I tell you that there are these five things, I'm recommending that you try them if possible, but don't feel like you're blowing it because you're not doing these exact exercises or variations. Remember, it's about the movement more than the specifics. And don't sweat those things till you're experienced. There is a point where specifics matter. And if you are an experienced strength training um, <laughs> participant, <laughs> that's weird to say, if you're experienced with strength training, <laughs> then you probably understand that at this point. And I think you can even take titles like this with a grain of salt because you understand, wow, these are probably really quality movements that I should look into. I should try them. Uh, but yeah, I know that there's more than five exercises I should be doing for cycling. So that that is the big disclaimer. And, you know, um, I'm happy I said that. And now you know that. In the words of Billy Madison, and now you know that. <laughs> or Waterboy. <laughs> I think that was Waterboy. Okay, so <laughs> the very first... By the way, these are with the expectation that you have equipment to access. So they're just free weights, very simple. Um, I think the first movement has the uh, the biggest tool, I guess, uh, or apparatus. <laughs> I'm really making straight training sound weird here. Uh, but I, I did want to say these are, all of them with the exception of one, uh, require some form of equipment. And if you are someone who's doing, you know, no equipment workouts, again, that is totally fine if that's your chosen path to stay consistent. But as you gain experience, when you think about starting to collect some equipment, which I think you should at some point, uh, these are some options for you to kind of look towards as maybe your first go. Uh, so number one, by the way, these are not in real order of importance. Uh, like number one, two, three, like five is not any less significant than number one. Not really. So uh, I just put them in this order. Trap bar deadlift. Trap bar deadlift, also known as the hex bar. You guys have probably seen a lot of cyclists do this. And a lot of people ask me, okay, should you deadlift with the barbell or should you deadlift with the trap bar? The real answer, as I mentioned before, is you should definitely try both. I think mixing in both is great. Deadlifting with a kettlebell, with dumbbells, with a barbell, with a trap bar, all of those things are great. You can do hip thrust and even uh, there's hip hinge variations you can do with a cable machine. But the hip hinge is so important and the reason the trap bar is really 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 good as an option is because it's this in my opinion it's the safest way i think about everyone would agree with this to be honest <clears throat> it's the safest way to go as heavy as possible with free weights on your body i would i would say that pretty confidently i'm really trying hard to think of a way that's safer where you can load up with that amount of weight but I don't think there is. And that's what's so cool about the mo movement because even though I think heavy lifting is kind of overrated in, in, the, in a general sense, a lot of people think that you're not strength training unless you're moving insane heavy weight, which I just don't agree with. However, what's so cool about the trap bar is that it's very stable. You're basically in the center of it. So the whole thing's around your body. The weight distribution is super even. Obviously, the weight is at your sides, but when you step into it, it doesn't feel like it's in front of you the way that barbell does, which is good and, and a lot better for most people's backs, and so or a lot more safe at least. You're also at a heightened position, so the bar handle isn't as low as it would be with a barbell. So basically, if you looked at a trap bar, you would see that where you put the actual weight plate on the side... The trap bar has elevated handles that come up, and that's what most people use. Now, you can flip the bar over and pull from a normal 
I guess, bar height. But what's weird is that it actually goes to even a little bit lower because your hand position is usually wider. And as the hands go wider, you can see you need to bring your chest lower to the ground. And so it's almost a more extreme version of a barbell deadlift. So be careful jumping to that. If it feels weird, that's why. I honestly recommend just sticking with the the raised handle side which is kind of the traditional side to use it so not only are you not going into as deep of a range of motion as a barbell deadlift but the weight is around you and for those reasons it allows you to usually pull a little bit more weight now with the weight or the bar handles being at your side and they're kind of extended out from your shoulder they're usually a little wider than your shoulders that's where your actual traps come in a ton and that's where your whole posterior chain gets connected, I would say you'll feel it even more than a barbell, which is kind of cool. So you're pulling, you're holding on your arms so they don't get ripped out of the socket and your bars are at the side. And the thing that's really keeping those arms from pulling out of the socket are, well, it's a lot of muscles through your shoulders, but your traps, a lot of it is your traps. And that's why if you do a bunch of heavy sets on the trap bar and you're not used to it, you're going to feel your upper, mid, and lower traps, basically your whole upper back from like your neck down below your shoulder blades, a lot, probably, <laughs> probably a lot more than you want. Uh, so just don't go too heavy right out of the gate. You will get used to it. But what's cool is because the just the handle position works that part of your back a lot, but then the rest of the motion works the rest of your posterior chain. So your hamstrings, your glutes, your low back, your calves, all those things get connected into this one movement and it allows you to go super heavy because of the other mentions, uh, the other details I mentioned. So all in all, it's a really great movement to load up your body and go heavy in a safe way. And there's also that the, the range of motion thing is cool because you'll even see people do squats where they don't go to you know parallel uh, or slightly below parallel because they're trying to work a cycling specific range of motion and just trying to build power you know in a in a lower range of motion like you would if you were sprinting like you know when you go and, and stand on the pedals and do a sprint you're not going to like full depth of a squat obviously you know your your knee isn't bending that far your hip is not bending that far and so people are like well i can go heavier without going as low and that'll translate a little bit better and there's definitely truth to that uh, but i think again those are some very experienced details that you don't need to consider until you have some years of strength training consistently under your belt now what's kind of cool about the trap bar again it sort of does that for you if that's something you're considering you'll notice once you hinge on the trap bar your knees are not bent super far certainly not like they would be if you were squatting or even reaching down for a normal barbell for a deadlift so that's why the trap bar is so sick you know i like i said i do think in general that heavy heavy strength training is a little bit overrated in a general sense it confuses a lot of people which is unfortunate because there's so many ways to strength train uh and then you have the people who are straight up powerlifters are like no strength training is you know volume less than five reps or six reps it's squat bench deadlift and that's it but the problem is it's like okay so then what's a bicep curl are you gonna tell me that's conditioning because if you tell a cyclist that and they see someone using dumbbells that that's conditioning they're gonna be like well what am i doing on my bike and so it gets very very confusing and so like i've wanted to almost redefine what strength training means especially for cyclists to cut the confusion whether you're doing a max deadlift or whether you're doing a plank in your living room you are strength training and that's i think how you should have the approach to it and then it also you know for people who have this fear of starting strength training it becomes way more 
digestible or realistic or, you know, just in general less intimidating because you're like, oh, wow, you know, like I could go like do some TRX rows and I can go, you know, do some band pull-aparts and a couple of bodyweight squats and maybe a box jump and call it a day and it's fun. You moved your body, you made progress and you probably got a little bit stronger. Uh, so anyways, trap bar deadlift, sick movement, go heavy, do it safe, use your whole posterior chain. I think it's a great one and, and really just a must try. Um, if you, <laughs> you don't have to do it, but it's definitely worth trying out at some point and put it on your list. Now I'm grabbing a little swig of water before we go to number two. Number two, dumbbell bench press. I love dumbbell bench press because it translates really well to your bar strength, like your upper body strength on the bike, as far as bar impact goes, is so freaking noticeable when you add in pressing movements like this, a horizontal press, but also your handling and just general endurance. When you're doing a different rep range with dumbbell bench press, you know, you're doing sets of up to 20, feeling that like the muscle groups you're using and how the fatigue sets in is so relatable to what it feels like to be sitting on the bars literally whether it's a road bike whether it is a xc bike or a downhill bike you can just feel your body using those same muscles you train which is so sick now the reason i like dumbbell so much is because each weight being in each hand is less stable than a normal barbell so you're going to go a little bit lighter but it's also gonna allow you to work your stabilizers a little bit more than you would if you had that stability from the barbell. So not only are you building the strength to absorb those impacts on the bars, you could do higher reps and build that endurance, but because of that instability factor, you're allowing yourself to kind of like move the bars under control with strength, and it's just super noticeable. So if you're not doing any form of horizontal pressing, you know, a push-up barbell bench press, could be a floor press from the ground with kettlebells, and if you're not including something like that in your week, that that is definitely a must. And if you get a chance to try dumbbell bench press, I highly recommend it. Laying on a bench is ideal. You know, you can do this stuff on the floor, by the way, but what the floor affects is your range of motion. You can't bring your elbows back lower than your body. And on a bench press, you can, like if you're actually on a bench. There's also a incline dumbbell bench press, which is really good. And in fact, <clears throat> if you're looking at the position on the bike, especially with mountain biking and downhill, incline dumbbell bench is almost more like your standing hinged position on the mountain bike. And that's something to consider training because it's not, you know, it's right in between horizontal and vertical press, so it can be awkward, but it is very, like it translates very well. And it's also a great idea, any type of that 45 degree press, uh, even landmine bars are really good for this. But if you have shoulder issues and you can't go overhead or you have a hard time going overhead, that's where doing the incline version is a really, really good idea. So dumbbell bench press, amazing. You combine that with a trap bar deadlift in your week, you're definitely going to be feeling stronger on the bike. Number three is the single arm dumbbell row. Now this, I know the first three, by the way, are pretty traditional movements. It's going to get a little more exciting on the next two, but you just can't you can't fight how good some of these classic movements are. And let me tell you exactly why this is so great. So if you can't visualize a single arm dumbbell row, basically you would be on a bench and this is the version I'm kind of picking. There's so many row variations and there are a lot more that are way more complex than this, but going a little heavier on this exercise, I just think that is like, there's something that I'm about to do the, the mwah, kissing my mwah. I'm kissing my hand and doing the uh, the chef thing because it's just so 
good. When you feel it, it's so good. So you would have, let's just say, for instance, my left hand would be on a bench and my left knee and left foot would be on the bench. So I like to plant my toe a little bit more stable on the bench. My right leg is on the ground and then I'm holding the dumbbell in my right hand. And from there, I'm pulling like I'm starting a lawnmower. And the real way to do this and get the most out of it, at least the way that I like, is to get a slight rotation at the top. Oh, excuse me, burping up my Chick-fil-A lunch. So you do a slight rotation at the top as your elbow passes your torso. And then at the bottom, you also wanna rotate back down. So you go beyond where you're just, I guess, parallel with the ground. And so you, that rotation in your core is where, in my opinion, this movement goes from being good to great because when you have a, let's just say you have a 50 pound dumbbell in your hand, that might be heavy to some people, that's probably light to some people. And you could literally, as you pull, you feel obviously your back, your bicep, your arm, your shoulder, your grip, and everything on that arm that's rowing. But once you add that rotation, now you feel your whole core working. And it's crazy how much you feel it. And also your left arm, your opposite arm is pushing into the bench. So if you start pushing the weight, you start getting a little fatigue through your workout what you'll notice with that arm that's on the bench is that that shoulder gets tired because you're pressing and you're almost holding like a plank position in a sense so each row you're working all of that through your upper body so you know it's really everything from your hips up is working you have the push you have the pull you have the core and what does that remind you of it is sprinting on the bike <laughs> that's exactly what that is any hard effort on the bike you are pushing and pulling on your bars constantly. Now, a lot of times it's easier, I will say, to relate these references to mountain biking because the the body positions on a mountain bike can be so much more dynamic than on a road bike, to be honest. Like, it's easier to talk about, you know, cornering or drops or jumps and a lot of stuff that you don't deal with as much on the road bike. And But I want to say that when you are standing and sprinting on a road bike, if you're not pulling on your bars actively, if your core is not braced, you are missing so much power, so much power transfer that you could get, and the efficiency is through the roof. And, and it's basically, now I'm trying to speak the road language because power efficiency, that is really what you're going for. Uh, we all know that you know your legs can, I don't want to say they can only do so much because they can always adapt and get faster, but it's about using your whole body all of the muscle that you have available to help you go faster. And if you're not ripping on the bars in a controlled way with a brace core, you're just not doing that. Um, and, and then really for mountain biking, it's like you can go to a corner, left-hand corner, you drop out of it into immediately into a right-hand corner and you're braking. The whole time, you're pulling and pushing on your bars like crazy. And that's a pretty obvious example for everyone. So a, a, just a standard single arm dumbbell row on a bench is man it's an incredible movement highly recommend adding it if you wanted to make it more complex you could do a couple things so for one you could do a quadruped style where you do the opposite arm and knee on the bench and you raise the back leg and so you have way less stability you're holding up your back leg by using your glute and your hamstring you're probably going to have to go lighter on the dumbbell but you're basically it's you're holding what's called a quadruped position and you're rowing at the same time so that is an option for you or you could stand and you could just put one hand on the bench you could put one hand on a box or a lot you'll see a lot of people just put leaning on the dumbbell rack this way but one way i love to do it and this is in the xc program 
is you stand basically feet together almost like a deadlift you hinge back you put one arm on a stability ball or a swiss ball and then you do your single arm row still with the rotation and that arm that's on the uh, swiss ball is still pushing into the ball but now it's super unstable so that level of complexity in the stabilizing motion you're getting or the stabilizing action you're getting from that shoulder is really really sick i mean i've had people just dm me email me whatever and just say how that's like their favorite move that they've ever done because it just feels like riding so much so highly recommend that don't sleep on a classic the single arm dumbbell row another little sip of water now hanging leg raises number four i don't know if you expected me to say this one let me tell you why hanging leg raises are a top five strength movement for cyclists it basically works i mean all these work all the muscle groups all the your entire body is the muscle group you want to be working <laughs> for cycling but in particular when you are hanging from a bar properly let's forget about the leg raise for a second you have to pack your shoulders now to hold a properly packed shoulder position which means you're not just dangling from a bar hanging on for dear life like it's basically shrugging the opposite of a shrug is what a shoulder pack is when your arms are overhead so imagine raising your arms overhead and grabbing a bar and having your shoulders go all the way up to your ears like there's no tension but then if you wanted to create tension all you would do is not bend your arms at the elbow what you would do is a vertical scap retraction so that means tightening up your lats tightening up things between your scapula and your mid back uh, these are rhomboids these are lower traps all those things that hold your scap in position so your shoulders don't elevate that's what gets engaged when you're holding a proper shoulder pack position so that is a strong shoulder position hanging from a bar and gravity is pulling your body weight down and that's what you're fighting so the heavier you are on this one the harder it's going to be <laughs> that is just the reality behind a lot of body weight exercises in general especially anything from a pull-up bar but again controlling your own body weight is so crucial and whether you can hold this for you know like five seconds ten seconds a minute two minutes would be super gnarly but <laughs> i'm sure there's people out there doing it no problem um, but remember there's there's variations and modifications to this so when i say hanging leg raise that this is something you want to do maybe just hanging from the bar in a proper shoulder pack position is is the place to start in fact in one of the programs on the website that is a motion which is just a it's called a hollow hold from the bar and it's not only holding a shoulder pack position but it's a posterior tilt of your pelvis and this is the second reason why this movement is so incredible for cyclists because it engages your low abs low ab engagement supports your back end of story so if you are basically holding that scap position which by the way helps keep your shoulders packed when you're riding and keeps that position strong so you don't shrug and get as much neck pain on the bike that's that's the big reason why the scap retraction is so important but then you get your low abs engaged which means you don't have that arch in your back when you're actually able to pull your hips imagine like kind of rocking them under or like tilting them back by engaging your low abs it's going to pull your feet forward slightly so when you go to a hollow hold it is you engaging your low abs posterior tilt and having your legs straight and pull them together and then you'll notice once you're in that proper posterior tilt position your feet are going to be slightly in front of you and that's that low ab engagement so now you're hanging from a bar on the front side of your body you have your low abs and and really just your abs in general engaged you're also probably going to feel your hips your quads are going to be you know a little bit flexed a little bit tensed 
and then you have your upper back almost on the complete opposite side of your body working and then you have your grip that's just hanging on to the bar don't forget about that <laughs> your forearms are working like crazy muscles all through and around your elbow are just you know getting super strong by hanging so that motion right there the hanging hollow hold incredible but we take it to the next level by adding the leg raise now once you can hold that position and keep your low abs engaged you want to bring your legs up without swinging <laughs> that is you know once you start moving your legs you'll realize pretty quick that's what gets so tough is the actual freaking swinging part of it so it's like do you swing fast enough to where you cancel out the swing which is kind of a you know way to do it i think anyone who's done it knows what i'm talking about right now maybe it's confusing if you haven't but you can basically get in enough of a rhythm where as you're coming back your legs start going up and you almost cancel the swing out or you can go super strict and super slow and slowly raise those legs up slowly raise them down to the point you don't swing at all uh, and that's probably the hardest way to do it it's also the safest way to do it but instead of committing to a full straight leg leg raise you could just bring the knees up I mean, that's that's the perfect place to start is go from a hollow hold pull those knees up and remember don't pull them back just pull them straight up to, almost like imagine like toward your chest and it also if you bring them forward you're going to start the swing that way so just bring them straight up maybe just toward the ceiling <laughs> that's probably how i'd cue a client in person pull those knees straight up to the ceiling not in front of you don't pull them back and you can work your way up from there and you could even go one leg at a time these are all options for you to add the movement and once you get to the point where you can straight leg, bring your feet up to your waist, well, the only thing left to do is go higher. <laughs> so you can bring your toes all the way to the bar. Again, you could do it super strict under control. You can add in a little bit of swing. You could go full CrossFit and just go ham on the swing, which I'm not gonna say it's good or bad. I just, it, it's a different style of it, honestly. And then you can add in fun stuff like go around the world. You know, you could, do knee pulses uh excuse me knee tucks hanging from the bar and bring your knees up to the side like almost like a little side crunch add a twist uh you can do full circles and these are ways to get your obliques more involved and it's again a fun variety that works slightly different muscle groups but the real like awesome part of this exercise which is your upper back your grip and your low abs is still all getting addressed and that's why hanging leg raise is a really really great exercise for any cyclist to implement now the last one this is a full-on bodyweight movement and by the way you know a lot of people consider you know hanging from the bar body weight it is but you still need a pull-up bar and that's why i kind of i try to be careful about my language literally just from a marketing perspective or at least managing expectations because when you think of body weight people don't think of any equipment at all that's what i've learned at least so i try to adhere to that uh, and so anyways, this is, I think the first true body weight exercise, just you gravity and the ground. This is a side plank reach through. I'm going to grab a sip of water. I'm sorry, guys. I'm extra thirsty today. I don't know if it's the chicken wrap I just ate or the intervals. I uh, intervals. I'm now making up workouts. <laughs> I did an endurance ride today, <laughs> which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, I'm just really thirsty. Anyways, it's also 100 degrees in Sacramento right now. We're having a little heat wave come through, and it's, you know, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty hot. I love the heat, but when it starts tipping up over 95, that's when it's, it's feeling hot to the point you almost don't want to go out. And after this podcast is recording, I'm doing a road bike photo shoot. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking forward to it, kind of. 
<laughs> Sorry, Chad. I know you're probably listening right now. It's just, it's hot out there, man. <laughs> so anyways, number five, a side plank reach through. Let's start with the side plank. So we're going to be down on your elbow. This is the variation I've, I've chosen. Obviously, you can do it from your hand, but that is another level of stability and also strength through your shoulder. But I want you down on your elbow, feet stacked. If they were staggered, so your top foot was in front, it'd be more stable. But I want your feet stacked for this one. And you're going to start with a perfect side plank position, hips off the ground. Uh, hips are forward. You know, a lot of people stay hinged in a side plank with their chest kind of pointed toward the ground top shoulder kind of dropped. I don't want any of that. I want your top hand reaching up toward the ceiling. Uh, imagine yourself perfectly perpendicular with the ground. And even keeping your eyes up on your hand is a great way to keep that position. Keep your chest up and open and keep your hips forward and in line the way they should be. So that is a perfect side plank. Now from there, you're going to take your top hand and you're actually going to start to bend it and then you're gonna pull it under your body and you're gonna rotate toward the ground and push your hand past your torso underneath you. Now, once your hand gets past your torso, you're going to reverse it, keeping your arm close to you, and then go back to the ceiling, top perfect position. Now, here's why that is so rad. So for one, you're building strength in a different plane of motion. So this is the frontal plane. A lot of things we do are in the sagittal plane, which is just like forward and back frontal plane, which is side to side, essentially. Now, even though biking, you're always kind of moving forward, there are so many lateral forces, especially when you're cornering. And even when you're pushing down on the pedals, depending on your pedal style, I'm not saying you should push out at all, but doing these frontal plane exercises or, you know, lateral uh, exercises, is so important just for the integrity of your joints and your tendons and your stability. And a lot of times this works different uh, parts of your hips, uh, different parts of your shoulders. So all these stabilizing muscles that are super important can, I don't want to say there can only be addressed this way, but addressing them this way also just makes you that much more bulletproof or that much harder to kill as Tim Wu would say. Uh, shout out to SoCal Bike PT. If you want to be harder to kill <laughs> in, in life, and on the bike, do frontal plane exercises. So when you're just holding that side plank position, you are resisting lateral force. Like it is pulling you toward the ground and you're gonna feel your obliques, you're gonna feel your hips. Everything's trying to keep you from sinking back toward the ground. Now, when you add that rotation, it works basically your obliques and your shoulder a lot more because you'll notice your torso moves and the motion in your shoulder kind of goes from at your side to in front of you and then you're pushing it back so that rotation really puts a lot of extra stress on the shoulder which i like because again we put so much stress on our shoulders as we ride especially from these awkward angles and positions even though it doesn't seem obvious it is happening you know even when you just do that quick buckle because you hit a pothole or you uh, your front wheel slid when you didn't expect it like that kind of stuff is where your body it like tenses up and you just try and react and fight. And a lot of times when people are untrained, that's when they get weird injured injuries. Uh, and that's what we're trying to <clears throat> avoid and just bring a general sense of stability. So what's cool about this side plank, as I mentioned, is that you can make those modifications. You can go up on your hand to make it harder. You can add a dumbbell into your top hand to make it harder and get more of a, uh, 
I guess, get more load on the shoulder that's moving. Like the arm that's up in the air, if you add a 10, 15, 20 pound dumbbell, that thing's gonna have to work as much <laughs> as the arm that's planted down on the ground. Then you can stagger your feet. If you wanted to, uh, for your core and your hip, drop your inside knee and press that on the ground and you can still keep your top leg extended that's a great way to make it a little bit more easy and allow you to actually learn and practice the motion and you know a lot of times if you have a specific rep range that you're trying to hit it's great to start and do it you know maybe in a harder variation and if you have to finish the reps by regressing it and maybe putting a knee down this is almost like doing a drop set it's a really good idea and i it, you'll when you add that volume in that way you'll notice yourself start to get fitter in a more tangible way because you know for instance let's just use push-ups for an example if you're going to do 20 push-ups and you normally can do uh let's just say 12 from your toes and then the last eight are from your knees if you get that extra eight that extra volume is going to help you to get 13 push-ups in a standard way the next time or the time after that <laughs> hopefully not too much longer after that but that way you can start seeing the progression and pretty soon you're doing five from your knees and then three from your knees and then you're doing a whole set of 20 standard push-ups I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound easier than it is, but that's the reality. <laughs> what's, what's hard is all the, the things that pull you from doing the push-ups in the first place consistently. <laughs> that's what's hard. It's not the push-ups themselves, at least in my opinion. So those are my top five picks, <laughs> at least on this day, which is June 1st. 2021 um as a trainer shoot dude it's almost been 10 years it's been nine years officially now almost 10 uh that i've been training for my job and it's pretty unreal to think that after all that it's like these first five exercises i, was, I ever learned <laughs> actually side plane reach through was a uh, potentially a dialed health original there but number one trap bar deadlift number two dumbbell bench press three single arm dumbbell row four hanging leg raises, and five side plank reach through. Now, what about power exercises? Dang, I need another sip of water. Hang on now. By the way, you know this is the perfect podcast. If you're trying to hit a hydration goal, just drink with me. Every single time I drink in here, take a sip. This is like a, like a fit version of a drinking game right now. I just did it again. And I need you to chug with me. And that's, it's a couple ounces every time I stop to do that. It's at least a couple ounces. I take big swigs. So <laughs> I take big swigs. Um, I don't even know what kind of accent that was. Anyways, <laughs> what about power exercises? So here's the thing. As I mentioned, there are dozens of exercises that are just as perfect for cyclists as the five that I mentioned. Those five to me really stand out, at least on this day. Um, and there's so many people who are going to be like, well, oh, but what about... If it's a Tuesday and last year this happened to me and I have this goal, but you know I, I kind of changed it last week and then you know my uh, my mom just moved in with me. Like <laughs> I get <laughs> so many things like that. Like it it kind of sucks online. It's like people you want to speak to everyone, but <laughs> you know you also want to get out a clear and specific message and to dilute it to the point that everyone can agree with it never makes sense and so anyways you just you end up with people who are like well well um what if this happened and you didn't uh, you failed to acknowledge that and it's just like oh my gosh so anyways <laughs> i just wanted to point out that i get that um there are some some holes in this potentially so let's talk about the first one what about power exercises that's a great point <laughs> <laughs> I didn't include any exercises that really worked power. 
that's a different variation and there are options to doing some of these with power like a trap bar deadlift is very easy to turn into an explosive movement or something that you just control the uh t just the time on attention the tempo uh which be like you know picking it up holding at the top holding at the bottom lowering phase all those things um, those are variations you can do without changing the actual movement and just changing the tempo can change the stimulus and the real goal of the exercise. You know, moving a trap bar super fast on the way up versus a kind of normal speed uh, will help build and generate a little bit more power. Um, but here's the thing. I don't think power exercises are as important as strength exercises as long as you're doing explosive intervals and efforts on the bike. Now, that, again, that's kind of the very general majority of people because it's like, okay, you everybody every cyclist who wants to be able to sprint harder on the bike needs to sprint on the bike <laughs> okay that is like the most logical thing i could ever say if you want to be fast on the bike go pedal your bike and go do sprints on it so the and then you talk think about the people who are doing sprints on their bike they're doing some endurance work they're doing big rides or whatever it may be and then they're also strength training and they're also doing all these motions if you're that person who's doing that then including power exercises is super, super, super important. But I would say stick to standard, uh, like hypertrophy, strength, muscular endurance type style lifts, not st stressing on like tempo for explosive power too much. Um, all, like until you are getting those intervals in on the bike. Once you have those in the bike, then add them in in the gym. And again, adding them in the gym, if you're not doing on the bike is still better than nothing. I'm just being honest with you. Getting that real power down on the bike is it outweighs it, uh, in my opinion, um, until you're doing both. And especially if you're a top tier athlete, like, you know, a, a lot of these conversations, they don't apply to the specifics that are in, like important for the best in the world. The 1% of the 1% need to be doing very explosive movements in the gym. Uh, and it doesn't need to be super frequent, but it needs to happen at some point. So keep that in mind. Remember, it's all, it's all steps. And it doesn't mean that you can't train like a pro, but I'm trying to get your priorities straight and in line. Because like for you to, let's just say, you are getting your intervals in on the bike, and then you are doing your strength training consistently, then if you were like, you know what, once a month, I'm going to add in some power movements or I'm going through an actual program and I have this specific power phase that I've worked up towards and built towards, then you are on the money. You're nailing it. Um, and periodization and all that stuff can be super important, but it doesn't outweigh the general consistency. Um, and, and just doing mo like, and now I'm going on a real tangent, but what I'm so excited about with Dialed Health growing in, in the programs that we offer is knowing that if someone's in my website doing a workout, they are they're on the right track, at least as a first step. Like I feel comfortable saying, just do my workouts twice a week and you're gonna become a better cyclist. That, just being able to generally say that means a lot to me because I believe in it. Because it's not about just doing anything. Like if you just did a bodybuilding program twice a week and you were cycling, it would be a bad idea. <laughs> And that's why I have to narrow it down into my own umbrella to where I know and can feel confident that, okay, if you're doing dialed health workouts, dialed health programs twice a week, you are on the money, get consistent with that. And then we'll move into, um, you know, the real, like the real specific stuff for you. But again, a lot of the program, like all of, almost all the programs are completely periodized anyway. So it's taking care of it for you. So Anyways, I, I don't mean to contradict anything that I say, uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to get your head in the right spot. Now, let's talk about volume a little bit. Um, we talked about power exercises. 
when you are training two days per week, it's, it's pretty, it's funny because you want to actually be in a hypertrophy phase or muscular endurance a lot. Now, hypertrophy rep range is eight to 12, pretty much. And that's at least what the textbooks are going to tell you right now. And kind of what I've learned in the last decade. So eight to 12 rep range is ideal for putting on muscle mass. Now, a lot of cyclists who don't want to put on weight are hearing that right now. And they're just like, no, I do not want to be in that rep range. But here's the truth. Are you ready? This is like, (laughs) this is reality, people. If you are strength training, this is, you guys, this is so real right now. I, I just, I really want you to believe me. (laughs) Please believe me here. (laughs) If you are strength training two days per week, you're doing two one-hour sessions that are total body sessions, you, it is physically impossible to hit the volume you need on any muscle group for you to grow and just blow up with muscle. There are so few people who react like that. So few, so few. Now, when bodybuilders work that rep range, here's the difference. Instead of doing three sets of, let's just say, eight to 12 bench press, they do three sets of eight to 12 barbell bench press. And then they do three sets of eight to 12 dumbbell bench press. And then they do three sets of eight to 12 dumbbell bench fly. And then they do incline bench fly. And then they do a set of pushups. Uh, and then they do a cable fly. And then they do, and I, you guys, I am not exaggerating at all right now. Go, go watch a bodybuilder YouTube channel right now. Go watch their chest and arms day. You'll see that even though they will stick to some of these volume things sometimes, Uh, Like, and I say sometimes because a lot of times they just work super high volume, but even though they'll stay in that rep range for those sets, the amount of sets they're doing is so astronomically different than what you're going to do with a dialed health program that like the chances of you blowing up are just so rare. Now here's, especially with the two days a week. Now for people who are cyclists and would consider them cyclists and want to make sure they perform on the bike, but they do want to gain some muscle. That's why I built a three day week program. And that's why some people even do four days a week, uh, in the gym with my programs. Now you have to understand that of course, there's a point where you start taking away from the work you can put in on the bike. Uh, and it, it depends a little bit on your riding style. Like downhill races should be in the gym three days a week. But other than that, the minimum for everyone's two days. And then it comes down to personal preference. So like the general functional fitness program is three days of total body. The second day is majority upper body. And you do some more traditional uh, lifts, like, like isolated lifts, where it's just a bicep curl or something like that. And that is designed specifically for those people. And then you have people that do, you know, respond well to strength training and uh, don't need that third day either. But again, for the majority, hitting that minimum bar of strength training to make progress like most people are for cycling it's just going to be so difficult to be in that hypertrophy phase and like you know blow up too much so don't freak out when you hear that's the muscle fiber building phase now muscular endurance 12 to 20 reps it's more obvious you know that's kind of i I think most people would tend to be like oh high reps um you know you have to control the volume but again the high reps mean lighter weight so for a lot of people, it makes more sense to do that. So I'm not going to cover that too much. Uh, again, it's super important uh, just to build muscular endurance because that is mostly what you're doing on the bike. And the thing about the reason we like hypertrophy opposed to too much true strength work, which is like five, six reps or lower, less than eight reps, is because the goal is that when you finish your rep scheme, the last few reps are hard. Now, 
you would have to go super heavy for the last couple reps on a you know five rep deadlift to be super hard and again there's nothing wrong with that there's a time and a place but and even though the volume's low what a lot of strength coaches and cycling coaches in particular who who oh my gosh this is crazy town like (laughs) this is so crazy you'll have a very talented cycling coach they'll uh, give out strength guidelines and strength recommendations and they'll just put in like a five by five squat routine because they have seen that that has been the most effective way for people to improve their squat and their leg strength but not cyclists (laughs) no like dude finding (laughs) finding studies that are that specific are so tough and they're out there they have more generalized studies and um you know a lot of times though it'll be like a, a five by five squat routine versus nothing and that's the that's what sucks about some of these things. It's like, okay, yeah, the P, the cycling group got stronger who strength trained versus who didn't. Um, but man, I know that there's an X factor. Like the people who didn't do the five by five squat routine and did like three by eight, uh, probably would have gotten even faster than the five by five. I almost guarantee it. So, anyways, it's a funny rant, but basically, the wear and tear on your body from that heavy of a load is so it's so gnarly. And if you have, if you haven't experienced that in a week where you're riding hard, it's hard to explain. I certainly, oh my gosh, it's certainly hard to explain to a uh, strength training coach who doesn't ride because when you're when you're just used to lifting heavy, your your body gets used to it. But when you have to go from lifting heavy to riding a bike, like the way you feel your body is so weird. Like when you lift a heavy, let's just say you do a, a heavy five set of five for a back squat your whole body will be so drained and so tense after it because it's not what you're normally doing. And again, you can adapt to it, but there's a point where you have to focus on that and feel good there opposed to feeling better on the bike. So, you know, when you are, when you are just putting those heavy, heavy lifts on your body, uh, and especially with those big compound movements, it just, it's the wear and tear. It's like not even the volume itself because on paper it almost makes sense. Um, so anyways, that's why I think hypertrophy can be great because, you know, you're not doing the bodybuilder volume because there's not so many sets and you're not, you don't have the wear and tear that you get from super heavy strength, which is necessary at times. Again, periodized program, uh, like I have on my site, or if you're not doing periodized stuff to do it like once a week, I think can work, but like to approach your whole, uh, you know, to approach multiple lifts like that in a session regularly, if it's not periodized is gnarly. And even what you'll see on my periodized programs that have a, a strength phase, you'll have like, let's just say a heavy set of five squats, but that'll be like that one heavy, heavy workout for the day. Maybe there's another heavy upper body, but that's like it for the day. Everything else is mus- muscular endurance, muscular hypertrophy, a lot of mobility. Um, and that is what makes it such a different workout and, and why I'm, I'm really proud of that and, and, and sh- shuttle people that way. So anyways, that is why no power. That is why no volume. I have talked too long on this topic, but I hope you guys uh, get a little bit from that and it just gets you excited to try new things. And also just understand that you know, you want a wide variety and you want consistency, um, just make sure it's a dialed health program. You won't have to second guess anything. <laughs> Shameless plug. Just, you know, move, move functionally. <laughs> move functionally and remember who is talking to you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> You're like, remember who you're getting the information from uh, because, yeah, it's, it's hard not to be biased. It, it just really is.
we got to talk about changing my pedal stroke. Now I'm going to move through this a little faster than I expected because you know what? We got a tight schedule. That photo shoot's coming up. <laughs> but I made some notes here so I can be very clear on what I want to say. Let me just go through the timeline here and what changed. Now I am going to be doing a ramp test after this race at some point pretty soon. And I'm trying to get more comfortable around 400 watts because I know that my last few minutes during the ramp test are going to be around 400 watts. And so I started doing some intervals that had seated efforts. They're like 24 seconds, anywhere between 400 and 500 watts. And the very first thing I noticed when I was doing seated efforts there, because I don't normally stay in the saddle that high, at least. Um, I've done it a little bit around 400, but you know, on some more threshold efforts, but not for like an interval. First thing I noticed was I got to tighten my shoes because <laughs> I can literally feel my feet moving up and down and like re-stomping on the sole of my shoes uh, for each pedal stroke. So that was interesting. I latched my shoes down super tight and then all of a sudden I could still tell, I was like, okay, I don't feel my feet moving in my shoe, which is good, but I can tell that I'm just kind of choppy through my pedal stroke. I feel like I'm just pushing super hard at the bottom. So I started pulling through the bottom a little bit more and it was crazy. But as I did that, I all of a sudden kind of felt my hips waking up and engaging. And then I was using the higher part of my leg. So instead of a lot of the strain and pressure being down around my knees, kind of feeling it through my ankles, all of a sudden I felt my hips moving. I was like kind of scooping through the bottom and I was still putting down power through the front of the stroke. Like you've got to push down on the pedal, but I, I just didn't end it there. I followed it through with that pull and it got the hips woken up. And like I said, the higher portion of my quad and my hamstring and just the higher, bigger portion of my leg felt all of a sudden like it was working. And before, I'm not gonna say it wasn't working, but it didn't feel like it was the primary uh, power zone or like, a, like I was getting most of my power from there. Like it really felt like a lot of it was down around my knee. And, and it's funny too, because I felt so limited at these upper powers sometimes in my head i'm like mind boggled like how does someone hold 400 watts for 20 minutes or more you know and i know that to a lot of like world tour pros that's not even that like that is not even crazy i'm just thinking of guys who have local klms <laughs> honestly and i'm like wow like that is super freaking gnarly so what was crazy was like once i changed that pedal stroke and it felt different that way, all of a sudden I was like, whoa, now I could see how your body could get accustomed to it because I feel like I have so much more power now. So that was really interesting. I went through the rest of the efforts on that interval day, just on the trainer, and just felt a lot stronger, a lot smoother, and just felt better in general. Now, the next ride I did after that was this last Saturday, I did a mountain bike ride. And it was a trail ride, I felt good. I focused on that, which was good. Honestly, I felt, I did feel strong, but I didn't really notice it that much. But what's weird, and I don't know what it is exactly, I have noticed in general that my pedal stroke on my mountain bike tends to be a little bit smoother than on my road bike. It like my my lower body tends to feel better as I'm pedaling my mountain bike, and I, I don't really know why it. So, anyways, mountain bike ride felt good, but it wasn't until the next day's road ride where I was like, "Whoa, dude, I feel like great!" Like the power I'm holding feels so much higher. However, this is all perceived effort because my power meter wouldn't freaking work. <laughs> and I'm so mad because I got a like a 20 minute segment KOM and I was like, oh my, I mean, I, I went super hard for it. And I was just like, man, I'm so bummed. I can't see actually what I did because I'm really curious. And long story sh short, I get out on the bike, 
right away I'm focusing on my pedal stroke. I do feel stronger. I feel like smoother. My knees feel like they have less pressure on them. And then I roll through my normal route, which I knew there was a big segment, but you have to like the stars have to align for it. You have to go through like five lights and they all have to be green. And literally two of them are off of a slight downhill from an one's from an overpass and the other's from this like railroad crossing thing. And long story short, if you don't make the lights, you're not going to be competitive on the segment into story. However, those lights are in the beginning of the segment, like the first mile or so. And so if you get through those lights, well, like you almost want to ride hard through the lights just in case you get them. And then you got to decide if you want to go for it. And that's exactly what I did. Went through the lights, feeling good, barely got the last one. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for this thing. So without a power meter, without a freaking heart rate monitor, because that wouldn't sync up either. I think it was my Garmin. I just focused on a sustainable power and I freaking got this KOM. It was super sick. Um, not like a crazy amount of people on it. I think it was like just under 700. Um, but I know the dude who had it is, is a really respected rider in the area and a coach and uh, just a really, uh, he's a really good dude. I met him once, but, but yeah, it was like insane to get that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I could have seen the numbers. <laughs> and then on the way back, I was just feeling really good. And I ended up going for this, uh, a little more random of a downhill segment. It's kind of a rolly downhill segment, but I ended up getting, uh, two KOMs on that. I actually tied the guy for the second half of it. Um, and my average speed ended up being just like a, it was like a mile per hour, almost faster than normal. Like I rode 40 miles, like 2,200 feet of climbing and it's a lot of rolling Hills. So you can keep your speed up more, but I averaged like 21 and a half miles an hour, just through the Strava app, obviously. Uh, and normally that kind of ride would have been like more 20 and a half. So that was just really cool. And it was kind of hot that day. <laughs> and I was a little hungover actually, funny enough after this alcohol episode. So so yeah, I mean, I was just uh, really, really stoked on the feel. I feel like I like opened up another level of what I could do performance-wise through pedaling, and hopefully it reflects in the ramp test. We'll see uh, when I do that. I'm not really thinking about that till I get through this race, um, but I'll be doing some more interview intervals in prep for it, and I'm just gonna keep focusing on that anytime I'm getting away from it on the bike, um, and that's that's pretty much it. Now, okay, last thing I want to mention. Um, by the way, I'm not just trying to like tap you know pat myself on the back here talk about like being fast or whatever because i know it sounds lame but i was genuinely excited about it and i just thought the tip i actually had someone who did their highest seated power after i told them the tip so hopefully it helps for you too that you know kind of what i mentioned so the last thing is and this is the weirdest one okay going for a sip of water you know drink your water here's the last thing i jumped on the trainer this morning just an endurance ride. Actually, the easiest ride I think I've ever, almost ever done on Trainer Road. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a 54 TSS or something. Just a mellow spin, 90 minutes. Felt really good. Um, but I was still kind of recovering from the weekend. I'm racing this week. So I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, enjoy this easy ride. Um, probably the perfect time to do it. And so still thinking about my pedal stroke, I jumped on my bike. And after a year and a half of riding in the same position on this bike, literally, all of a sudden, I felt like the front end was way too high, just out of nowhere. I was like, dude, this is so weird, but I want to try taking my wheel off the block because I've had this like elevated front wheel and it's kind of high bar height on the trainer because for one, the bars don't move, which I like because it's comfy. Uh, and then like, it's just easy, I guess, super stable. And then with the bars high, I'm like, oh, it's just easier on my upper body. It's like, it's a little more mellow of a position. Uh, I prefer it for the trainer. 
And it's funny because all of a sudden I was just like, dude, I don't want this like this. Like it doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm rounding my back to hold this position. So long story short, I ended up taking the the wheel riser thing like you'll see with a lot of trainers out and it was like three inches like a three inch drop mine is like a three position one that i have from a uh, basic trainer from a while ago and i'd like air up my front tire and everything and then i realized dude my saddle position's like way out so it was super far forward once i dipped my front end but it was crazy because all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, my back feels flatter. My upper body feels more relaxed. My front end's lower. And then I caught myself going into more arrow positions, just like trying it out because for whatever reason, change, and it's gotta be because of the change in the pedal stroke. I just felt more comfortable being a little bit tighter. Like, like my hip angle was tighter and it just felt more comfortable. And what's crazy is even on that road ride I did, I got down into like a TT position on my bars at one point, which I never ever do because it never feels comfortable. And for whatever reason, I just like did it. And I was like, wow, it's so weird to think that changing my pedal stroke would have affected that much. But there is not any other explanation um, because that's the only thing that's changed in the last week. And it's the first time I've gotten on the trainer and been like, whoa, bars are too high. So pretty trippy. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's interesting to you. <laughs> but to me, I was thinking about it the whole time. Like, why did I even want to do this? And, and that's got to be it. So that is the pedal stroke side effects. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast by Dialed Health. I hope that those five strength exercises just get you pumped about trying something new and kind of seeing why the variety in movement is so important. So try those out and also the pedal stroke tip. Uh, try it out. Scoop through the bottom, tighten up your shoes, and try to use your hips and your upper hamstring and quads a little bit more. Now, if you can hear any background noise, it's because I have pressure from some people that just walked in the studio right now. They are not kidding around. They want me off this mic, so I gotta go. But if you are enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it five stars, say anything positive, and then make sure you share it on the Instagram story. So take a little screenshot, tag Dialed Health. You can tell I'm getting distracted right now. These guys are just staring into my temple. I can feel Brady wanting to take these photos. <laughs> and Chad wants to get out on the road bikes and melt. And um, it's, it's going to be worth it, though. It's always worth it for the content. So with that being said, you guys, start moving forward. Have an incredible week. I'll see you next Wednesday.